this morning? Good, good. Uh, thank you for pushing through the elements. First off, I hope I'm not a guest speaker here because that's news to me. And I might need to get my resume put together here. Uh, so I think I, I think I just got fired by my wife. I think that just happened. <laughs> I'm Pastor Adam Bagwell, the executive pastor of this church. So I just want to establish that. Try and get my job back. Um, and, uh, what I have to say, though, is while you guys are doing announcements, the way that your hair is almost exactly alike... <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, hey, we would agree, everybody that's online, thank you for joining us. Uh, Pastor Joel and Jen send their love. Uh, as you know, she's been working through a neck surgery, and um, they've been getting some R&R and working through that. So but they love you enough to leave you with me. So you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, I do want to say that this shirt is teenager approved. My son picked out the shirt. He said, I'd look cool in it. He picked out my shoes. He said, they look good. If you don't like my outfit, talk to this kid with the fro. So, uh, but we're going to have a good day. Y'all ready to have a good day? I feel good. I like the second service, man. Uh, I got one of my good friends in the house. He's been with me through thick and thin for well over a decade. Man of God, incredible preacher. I almost just gave him the mic and said, why don't you work hard today? Uh, but my buddy, uh, Pastor Eric Hamps in the house, can we welcome him and let him know that you love him? He helps with our student ministry here. He coaches me all the time. We brainstorm, have creative thoughts, and all we want to do is get fired up to see people changed for Jesus. Amen. Very good. Well, let's pray. I think God has a word for you. I really believe that if we'll open our heart, open our spirit today, God will do something special. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, oh, we love you so much. We praise you and know that all things are possible. All things are possible. And Lord, I just make a bold prayer, God, that we would decrease and that you would increase inside of us. Father, that whatever the need is, whatever the miracle that needs to take place, that, Lord, you will do what only you can do through your Holy Spirit. God, we just receive it and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. High five your neighbor. Tell them it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. Go with me. I'm going to continue the series on the power of the Holy Spirit. How many know that the Holy Spirit has power to work in our life? And I want to go to Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, and we're going to look at the life of Stephen. How many have heard of Stephen? What I love about Stephen is that he was just an ordinary person. How many ordinary people are in here besides me today? Just an ordinary person with a huge heart for God's kingdom. But God can do extraordinary things through ordinary people. What I like about Stephen is his whole ministry career just starts out by him serving. They pick Stephen to serve. And he began to serve. And I will say this, if you begin to serve God, God will begin to entrust you. If he can trust you with the little things, he can trust you with the big things. And here's Stephen. We see him, though, that he's walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's at a whole nother level. So I'm going to go to chapter 6 of the book of Acts, verse 8. The scripture says this, Stephen, somebody say Stephen. Oh, you got to say it with your chest. Come on. Say Stephen. There we go. You're here. I wanted to make sure you're here. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles 
and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom in the spirit with which Stephen spoke. How many is verse 10 for you? <laughs> no one could stand against him because of the wisdom. I need wisdom. Anybody need wisdom? In the spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some of the men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blasphemy, Moses, and even God. This roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. I want us to see a couple of things here. I want to go back to verse 8. This is, a very, this is the introduction of Stephen here. It says, a man full of God's grace and power. Grace comes from the word cherish, which means, listen to this, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, and loveliness. Well, that sounds like my wife. Praise the Lord. Getting some kudos here. But then it also says power, which comes from dunamis or dynamite. Two completely different ideas. Grace, sweetness, loveliness, joy. Dynamite blows stuff up. And they said Stephen was full of the spirit and he had both of those things. Well, Pastor Adam, how in the world can you be full of grace and full of power? I would argue that your grace is power. And when the Holy Spirit fills you and you show people love, you show people mercy, you show people grace, it begins to explode in their spirit and in their heart, and it begins to break down walls, it begins to break down barriers, it begins to break down former abuse they may have been through. And so it comes through the heart of grace, but there's still power in the Holy Spirit. How many know our Holy Spirit is not weak? Our Holy Spirit produces miracles. The Holy Spirit can absolutely transform our life. We serve a powerful Holy Spirit, but yet when we see Jesus being baptized, it, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a what? Like a dove. Power yet with grace. But then it says some men in the synagogues started to debate with him, and they couldn't. In verse 10, none of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke, which means there was something different that was on him that was not on them, and it frustrated them to the point that they lied about him. <laughs> they weren't making small accusations here. The lies that they spoke about him would cost him his life. Anybody in here been lied about? Anybody in here ever been betrayed? <laughs> you thought he'd been stabbed in the back? Like, where did that come from? Sarah and I, when we got married, some of you know this, we got married really young. <laughs> we got married when I was 25. Sarah was 20. 
And we took a lot of time before we decided to get married. We were one of those couples. So I asked her to marry me uh, month three of dating her. How many know I don't waste time? I got too much to do, too much to build for the kingdom. I'm like, let's get this thing done. We got married six months later. So if you do the math, that's nine months. But come on, somebody. Last uh, month, we just celebrated 17 years of marriage. Come on, it worked for us. We're weird. I know we're weird, but it worked for us. So we're young and dumb. Anybody ever been young and dumb before? I mean, she was brilliant, but I was dumb. You know, I don't want to say that wrong. Oh, I was winning too. Um, anybody been young and dumb? So we were going to go on a five-year plan before we had our first kid. So we get married. We're going to wait five years. Well, apparently I really liked Sarah. That lasted for three months. Come on now. So she comes in, she shows me the pregnancy test, and she's like, we're pregnant. And I go, oh, Lord, help me through this. So we're figuring that out. And we go, you know, why don't we just do some more stupid stuff? Like, let's just get real dumb since we're just having a kid. We're young. We're married. I get a call from a church in South Chicago. The city's Juliet. And <laughs> this church has literally... At this moment when we get there, been through every dysfunctional, immoral problem you could ever see in a church. Now, the Lord blinded it from us, but as we begin to pastor, we begin to learn all sorts of crazy stuff. Kind of like when you got married and you found out who your in-laws really were. You're like, really? She's that crazy? Hi, Katie. Um, And there's literally 40 people. We're in a 450-seat auditorium. There's leaks all throughout the roof. In fact, my first ministry team that we built was the bucket, the water bucket changing team because we would have to have local people in the area take turns about every six hours and come in, pour the bucket out, and then re-put it underneath the leak. How many know that's a problem? The building is absolutely falling apart. There's nothing about the building that's appealing. And we're sitting there, bright red carpet at the time. It was so ugly. Um, And the praise and worship leader, we were invited to be a guest speaker because they were wanting to recruit us to pastor. And the worship is atrocious. I mean, it's absolutely the worst thing you have ever heard in your life. And I love the people, sweet people doing the music. Um, But sweet doesn't make you able to sing. That's why I sit on the front row and kind of sing a little bit but I let the pros come up here and do what they're anointed to do. And the guy's leading worship. This is a true story. You can't make this stuff up. The guy is leading worship from the drums. Unless you're really, really talented, you don't lead worship from the drums. And he had a big old Michael Jackson uh, kind of microphone or Janet Jackson or like NSYNC. You guys seen those? And it was a cheap one. It wasn't even a cool one. And he's up there, man, just praying. Bless the Lord, come on, clap your hands. Come on, bless the Lord, come on, clap your hands. Come on, bless the Lord, come on, clap your hands. And I'm like, Sarah is 20. Just found out she's pregnant. And she looks like a deer in the headlights. I'm over here like praying, thinking about it. Sarah's just looking around. What'd you get me into? 
And in the middle of all that weird music and the Janet Jackson mic, and I feel the Holy Spirit speak to me that we're supposed to take this church and pastor it. Dummy. 25, 20, first kids on the way, we're going to go to the hood. In January, it was all of four degrees outside. We're staying at a cheap, cheap hotel, and she stayed married to me. I don't know where, I thought she was just going to like cut it off right there. We're only three months in. Can we get this thing, you know, fixed? And so I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm like, feel the Holy Spirit talking. I really feel the presence and just, if you feel the presence of God in that kind of music, it's the presence of God. So I look at her and I tell her, hey, babe, I think God wants us to take this church. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And she looks at me like I am a murderer, like I am the crazy, she cringes her face. And you know, she's Miss Happy all the time. She cringed her, it was just appalled. And she looks at me and goes, you are out of your mind. Get me home. I said, no, no, no. No, because I'm young. I'm young. I'm dumb. I haven't been married very long. I'm like, babe, I really feel like we're supposed to take this church. And she says, get me home. So it was a hard no for Sarah and all yes for me. So we moved to Chicago. Praise the Lord. So we get there, like I said, the building's a wreck. There's a handful of people that were just super faithful, great people, some of the most amazing people I ever met. I love them still with all my heart. Some of them have passed. I just, I loved our church, even when we were 40 people. And so, man, we're, we're going to step out in faith, right? We're going to step out in faith. And when I'm 25, building campaigns and building ideas like that, like super intimidated me to ask people in a rougher area, lower income area for more money. And here's where my faith was. We're going to get a new sign for the front of the building. And we're going to rebrand because the last church that was here was crazy. My faith was huge. We needed $3,000. Can you believe that kind of faith? Faith for $3,000. Man, we talked to the church. We raised offering for several months. I wanted this nice, perfectly neon sign that had our brand new logo. We were going to put it on the building. And man, we raised that $3,000. Oh, when they were putting it up, I felt the presence of the Lord changing the city. I'm looking at it at 25, and I'm going, man, when people drive by and see this sign, they're going to come to church, and God's going to change their life. And, man, I remember being so proud. I used to drive by the church just to drive by it, just so I could be like, ooh, that's a nice sign right there. That's a nice sign. Well, we had a problem take place, not with the sign. The sign was beautiful. It's still there. It's still beautiful. love that $3,000 now. One of the pastors of the former church, she was a sweet lady, and she was just confused and didn't understand what was going on, and it was genuinely just a wonderful lady. And she decided she needs a break from ministry, and she decided that she was going to go work at Lane Bryant just to get a job. And the city loved her. She fed people. She went to shelters. 
I mean, she really kept the church together in a tough time. And finally, she threw her hands up and was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. So she went to work at Lane Bryant. Well, the most unfortunate thing that could ever happen in a store or something like that, a man came in with a shotgun and killed five of the workers in Lane Bryant, and Rhoda was one of them. Sarah remembers getting the phone call. And Barb, Barb is just, her mom is just screaming and crying, and it, it, it's utter chaos. Well, we're trying to counsel her. We're trying to be pastors. It's a little over our head on what to do. And Sarah comes up and lets me know. A few days later, she was leading worship, uh, worship rehearsal, and every news station in the city, they were coming to our church building because they want to interview with the pastor that's here. What happened was, I'm talking CNN, Fox, ABC, the, the whole deal. Pastor Eric was there because I was probably crying on the phone going, Pastor Eric, cancel me through. I know I was definitely calling Pastor Joel. Like, what do I do? And what had happened is I got lied about. And somewhere in the translation, they said the current pastor, this is Fox News, in front of my building with my beautiful new sign. Fox News is there. And they said, hey, according to our records, there's a high possibility that the current pastor of this church is connected in the murder of specifically Rhoda who was the pastor there, who her mom still went to our church, by the way. And that's the good promotion that I was getting for our church. 25, 20, baby, Fox News. Come on, how many know sometimes you try and do good things and it just doesn't go the way you plan? Stephen was trying to do good things, but this was not how he had planned it out. So I'm a wreck. I'm literally... You know, some of you may have, I don't know. I'm not that important. I'm not famous, nothing like that. Um, I'm not used to watching reports on the news about myself. And they're talking about me. FBI agents come to my house. They start interviewing me. They're looking through my house. I'm so scared. I'm pale, just sick to my stomach. I can't eat. My wife is freaking out. FBI agents house and I'm like, we've got to trust God. You trust God. What are we going to do? You ever been in that moment before? <laughs> so, Man, well, then we get a phone call, and Barb, Rhoda's mom, wants us to do her funeral. So one angle I'm getting hit at, that they're connecting me to the murder, and at the other hand, the mom's calling me wanting to do the funeral. I'm like, this feels a little odd. I'm pretty sure they don't teach this in seminary. Like, where was the class? Person gets shot. You do the funeral. Sometimes this happens. You know what I mean? Like, where's the seminary class for that? So I call my dad. I'm like, man, you got to help me, dad. I'm like, this is way over my head. I don't know what to do. I got the FBI at my house. They're accusing me of murder public. I mean, we're talking front page Chicago Tribune promotion for a church that's connected to one of the worst murders that have ever happened. I'm like, Dad, you got to get on a plane. 
Dad, can I come home? Can we just quit this? Can we sell the building? Can we just start over and go church plant somewhere and go to a church planning conference and go get a cafetorium or something? You know, like, I'm done. So my dad flies out, and uh, we get set up for the funeral. Well, the funeral's a circus. Our building seat's 450. There's 1,000 people there. And we had to make special arrangements to keep the media and the news stations off the property. You legally can do that. So that they wouldn't come in and disrupt the service. Place is packed. And I'm not preaching the sermon. My dad is. But I'm hosting. We're <laughs> sitting on a corner, kind of like those that row over there. And I'm just shaking, man. I am, I am wrecked. I'm going to sign up for this. Oh, God, why am I in this situation? I didn't do anything wrong. It's just the pastor, Ken and Barbie of the city, trying to do something for Jesus. And I'm in this situation. My dad, I was so proud of him. I've never been more proud of any sermon he's preached. He gets up there like a boss. Packed out place. Everyone's listening. And he doesn't just give a eulogy or a half little preach sermon. Um, how do I say this the right way? It wasn't a um, suburb sermon. Let's say it this way. Uh, I love him. I got to have lunch with him. It wasn't a Joel Osteen message. Love him. He's kind to me. I got to eat, hang out with him. Great man of God. My dad stands up in front of this crowd, and he says, Rhoda is looking down from heaven in this place today. She's fed many of you. She's been there for you. I mean, he just goes to like church, church. Not like church, but like church, church. Hi! And he starts preaching like a man from another world. He goes through the whole message and he goes, Rhoda is looking down right now. And many of you are far from God. Many of you need a touch from Jesus. And you need to give your life to Jesus right there. 160 people stood up to give their life to Jesus right then in the middle of the funeral. I was clapping louder than that. I'll tell you what, there were no golf claps. The next Sunday, our church doubled. And it grew, and it grew to the point, year three, we were 1,200 people on Easter. 40 people broke down room. No hope. News reporters saying the pastor's connected to a murder. And somehow Jesus worked with that to grow his kingdom. Can I talk to somebody in this room this morning? Some of you have gone through hell and you've gone through high water and you don't even know how to keep your head up anymore and you've been dealing with anxiety and depression and you've looked at your life and you go, God, this isn't fair, this isn't right. Trust me, I felt like that as a pastor in that moment. I just didn't feel like that was fair. I didn't feel like anyone should have to hold that. But you know what? God just has this amazing ability to take what the enemy meant for evil and he'll turn it to good if you won't lose confidence and if you won't lose trust in him and you'll keep your faith in him, he will do it. 
Sarah and I have had to pray through so many things in our ministry and continue to believe God. I mean, I'm telling you, if I had it my way, I'd be in Southern California right now and join the waves. Maybe not California, Hawaii, and join the waves. But God called us to Chicago. God's called us to Texas. We just have to continue to stay faithful with what God has called us uniquely and wonderfully to do. Stephen's in trouble. Verse 13, it says, The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple, against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple. This is their current Fox CNN news right here. Will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point in the high council, stared at Stephen, watch this, because his face became as bright as an angel's. That's what people say about me all the time. Adam, you look as bright as an angel. Thank you so much. Just my tan from Florida. They stared at him. Something was different. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was out arguing them. He was full of wisdom. He's full of faith. And my question for you is, can you be bright when darkness is coming against you? Can you have faith? Can you have light? Can you be the light of the world when it's dark? Because that's the purpose of the light. It's to light up the darkness. And here in the middle of his darkness, his face was bright like an angel. So Stephen knows this is bad, but he won't back down. He won't deny it. And in chapter 7, we don't have time to read all the verses today because I want to get you out so you can beat the Baptist to the buffet. Come on now. All this is happening, and Stephen goes on a rant. Put it in your devotions for this week. Check out Acts chapter 7 if you've never read it. And he defends and basically tells them everything that they have done against the New Testament church through the eyes of Jesus. And they are not happy about it. They are not happy about it. And he knows, Stephen knows, there have been one of those moments you know it's done. It's checkmate. You've messed up. You're fired. It's like it's just done. You're going to jail. Can I preach to some real people? Stephen, knowing this, jump up to verse 55, chapter 7, verse 55. But Stephen, and it keeps going back to this, y'all, full of the Holy Spirit. Say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Full of the Holy Spirit. He gazed steadily into heaven and the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, he didn't argue anymore. He was done. He knew his sentence had arrived. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. I don't know if you've, Remember this, or heard this before, 
But there was a time when Jesus ascended into heaven. And what the scripture says is that he would be seated at the right hand of the Father. However, Stephen here knows he's about to be stoned, not the Colorado stoned, the murder stoned. Some of you get that tomorrow. It says that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But here, (laughs) that's not what Stephen sees. He sees Jesus with an open heaven standing at the right hand of the Father. I believe this could possibly be the greatest standing one person standing ovation in the history of the church at this point, that Jesus was letting Stephen know, I got your back. And this is not death for you, Stephen. You have been faithful. You have preached. You have moved in signs and wonders. But you will now be a martyr for me, and I'm going to receive you now into heaven. I don't know about you, that gives me goosebumps. When you have done all you can do to stand, come on, keep standing. Come on, husband, keep fighting for that marriage. Come on, mom, keep praying for those kids. Come on, minister, keep doing what God's called you to serve. Come on, missionary, get back on another plane and keep going forward, even though it seems hard. Come on, care pastor, do one more hospital run. Pray for one more person. Be the light and the love. Come on, teenagers, rise up and witness to your friends. Get them out to church on Wednesday nights. Love on them. Be the light. I believe many times God, throughout history, has seen persecution as an opportunity for people's faith to cry out the loudest. Now, we don't like that. We don't like that. That's not a shouting time in church. Nobody's like, yeah, let's go through persecution. Let's get that thing going, man. But when you think of all the disciples, you think the people that really followed him, what started, listen to this, what started the movement of the early church was the power of the Holy Spirit and the faith that these people had, men and women, to stand for what God had and what Jesus gave for the church. I believe this, even right here at Oaks Church, God is going to continue to use his sons and his daughters. Stand because Jesus stood for us. What are we really standing? What are we really standing? My grandfather was a beast of a guy. 
how? That's a name right there, how? How Richard Bagwell. Built till still this day one of the largest Protestant churches in San Francisco. He preached a long time ago. And he was a very unliked preacher by a lot of people because he believed that white people, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people should all be able to come together and worship in one place. Now it's normal. Then it wasn't. He was beaten after service by the KKK. He almost died twice, standing up for his faith. And he was a big boy, don't, don't get me wrong. He knocked a few people out, too. He was six foot five ex-Marine. <laughs> he knew how to handle himself. I don't know where those jeans went, by the way. Can I get a little something to work with? But one of my favorite stories, we'll close, is how passionately he loved the church. And he was doing what he always did. He was probably (laughs) early 80s, still just standing for Jesus. And he got to a point, he was a little older. My dad was kind of taking over and preaching. And, but he would count the offering. That was his job. And he loved it. And he would put the offering at different times to go to the bank or whatever he needed to do in an old school uh, Samsonite briefcase. Do y'all remember the old school briefcases? I mean, those were a man's man kind of briefcase. Like, when you rolled up in a suit in a Samsonite, you meant business. You know, I wear a backpack now. My grandpa would probably turn over in his grave if he saw that. And a guy had been tracking his movements and caught him alone in the church parking lot and was trying to rob him. And he put a gun in his back. He said, give me the, give me the briefcase, preacher. Grandpa, for whatever reason, is cool as a cucumber. What do you mean the briefcase? You know what I'm talking about. There's cash in that briefcase. I want the briefcase. Oh, you want the briefcase, huh? Because I'm telling you, give it to me right now. I'm going to shoot you right here. Grandpa, this cool Marine something kicked into gear, grabs the briefcase, wheels on the guy, and hits him straight in the face. The guy falls down this way. The gun goes the other way. What should he do? Pick up the gun. He doesn't. He just starts yelling at the guy and rebuking him. What are you you doing with that? You know, he's all flustered on the ground. He's like, you ain't going to take God's money. This is the widow's might. This is the people. He's like, I know people in our church that are barely getting by. And you think you're going to take their money? You ain't taking their money. And just loses. And the dude freaks out, grabs his own gun, and starts running down the street. That's right. That's right. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I got a crazy family. Y'all pray for me. 
my dad told my dad what had happened he was like dear god dad don't risk your life for that we'd figure out how to make up whatever cash was in there you're my dad like just give it to him oh i can't do that grandpa calls my dad like four days later tim i need to talk to you yeah what's going on it just hit me today i could have died depressed today. I could have died. He goes, I know, Dad. That's why I yelled at you and we had an argument. And we're putting protocols in. If someone puts a gun in your back again, give them the doggone briefcase. Walk out alive. So they went out to lunch and worked it out. Where in your life? I'm talking to teenagers too. Where in your life do you need to take a stand? Jesus took a stand for you. He died on the cross, forgave you of your sins. He did what only he could do. We serve a good, gracious God that wants to change your life and be with you. And I believe today you'll receive the power Holy Spirit, that you'll walk out of here differently than you came in. Can we take a stand literally today? Can I pray for you? Just lift your hands up towards heaven if you would. Father, we love you today. We worship you today. I thank you. There's a generational blessing in this house and in this church. Lord, heal relationships. Heal marriages in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, fill us with your love, with your passion, with your strength. Lord, with grace and power, God, work in our heart and work in our life. And I declare today, somebody came in here heavy. Lord, just release that off their shoulders. Lord, some in here needed life change today. God, I pray as they leave those doors, God, they go out different than when they came in. God, give them hope. Let them see you the same way Stephen saw you. Let them see you in their lives, see you in their heart, see you in their family. Let them feel the presence and the power of your spirit. God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give Jesus one good praise this morning? Come on, if you're feeling rowdy, give him a shout of praise today. Hallelujah. God, we worship you. We worship you.